Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meetup Podcast. My name is Joe Glover and in the background you may well hear my co-presenter for today, Annie Glover. Today's episode is a lovely bonus for you. It's from the first uh, in-person event that the Marketing Meetup has run for 625 days, uh, which comes courtesy of Andy Lambert of Content Count. This was a really great talk because Andy went through a, an amazing set of data uh, all about digital and social media trends that was just really useful and really illuminating. Uh, for me, I took a, a massive takeaway on on how different platforms are used by different users. And actually, there's a lot of crossover between those users on the respective platforms. Uh, it gave me a lot of food for thought on how we approach our own social media efforts. And hopefully, uh, should you listen today, then you'll also get the same too. A nice takeaway on how to approach social media and digital platforms with a whole bunch of data to back it up. Now, this is one of those presentations that probably works best with the slides. So you will find that on the Marketing Meetup website. You'll need to go to the marketingmeetup.com forward slash marketing dash blog and you'll find uh, Andy's talk as well as every talk that the Marketing Meetup has delivered over these past 18 months and beyond. Uh, it was a really great talk. Um, it's almost implied that the featured sponsor for this talk will be Content Cal. Uh, if you are scheduling or would like to organize or analyze your content efforts, then head to Content Cal uh, because they're well worth it. We love them. They love us. Uh, it's been a great relationship over these past few years. Um, I, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. It's great to be back in front of a live audience. It's lovely to hear some live reactions too. I really hope you enjoy it. And uh, so from me and from Annie in the background who is currently eating the remote control, then uh, I hope you enjoy and see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. very much this is rather weird isn't it quite nerve-wracking actually isn't it real people wow cool hello so um this is joe sells going to tell you more about content camp you don't want to hear about that because i've got more interesting stuff to talk about social media data who doesn't love that at seven o'clock on a tuesday night hey um anyway so i'm one of the founders of this company called content cal um yeah we start as an agency and five years later used by about forty thousand businesses in about 100 countries. So anyway, that gives us kind of interesting insight in terms of the world of social and what's going on, because it's kind of our jobs to stay on top of it. So um, this presentation, fortunately I had something pre-prepared because Joe gave me the grand total of about 24 hours notice to do this. So um, yeah, if it's a little bit ropey, blame Joe, not me. There we go. Right, hopefully you can see, can everyone see this all right? There'll be a few, yeah? I don't know why I'm asking, there's nothing I could do about it if you couldn't see. Um, but either way, the world of social has changed massively, particularly over the last 18 months for reasons we all know. The main bit of data I want to call out on this, 520 million new people actively using social over the last 12 months. It has grown substantially, 13% growth, unbelievable numbers. And that growth is only accelerating. And what we're not seeing is like a pandemic peak and then a kind of normalization. 
interestingly, we're seeing consistent growth. So it seems like, and Google have estimated that we moved forward about seven years in terms of our digital economy in the last 18 months. So it's, it's fundamental, the, the massive shift that's happening, and it's impacting quite a few things, which is quite interesting, and we're going to dive into that. But of course, all of that growth then gets distributed across the core social media platforms. So the ones in the middle with uh, above 30% growth are the ones that I kind of want to call out, because we all know Instagram, Facebook, etc. The ones that don't get spoken about that much, Pinterest have had an absolute booming um, pandemic. There's been a bit of correction in, in how quickly they've, they've grown as some retailers opened up, but they've been one net beneficiary of, of the pandemic. And Reddit, we don't talk about Reddit that much in terms of content marketing, but that as a platform is continuing to grow at a frankly astounding rate. And then, of course, TikTok, but we don't see, we'll talk more about that as we go in. But uh, this data I pulled in June, 689 million monthly active users. Just two weeks ago, they passed 1 billion. That 30% growth in four months, utterly staggering. So um, yeah, and this, you won't be able to see this, so I'm gonna share these slides. Fundamentally, what this is telling us is that this, this is actually really interesting data to look at when you're thinking about what channels and platforms might work well for your business. Because this is a study of about 25,000 people as to what's their favorite social media platform. Because of course, all of the platforms will say, look look at our growth and look at our demographics and all that stuff. A really interesting to ask, in, interesting study is when you look at surveys which determine what's people's favorite platforms, where they spend their time. And really what this is telling us is that for, for a more younger female demographic, Instagram still wins out, followed by, um, well, TikTok's in third place, but Instagram still wins out skews a little more male from a, from a Facebook perspective. And as you can see, the older demographic typically more orientating towards Facebook. No massive surprises there, to be honest. But one huge shift that we are seeing that we'll see continually into 2022 uh, is this huge growth of social commerce and the way that purchasing behavior is moving, not just online, but through social. And this is, this is fascinating. So, about kind of 29% compound annual growth rate of the amount of money being spent directly through, through social channels. So that's typically driven through like shoppable links in posts and you'll probably see this when you're scrolling through Instagram and ever increasing number of like products that are being tagged when you're going on TikTok as well. All of these social platforms, they're clamoring to, to ship features that allow e-commerce businesses to sell their products directly on social that is becoming a huge shift and that is where all of the social media channels are putting significant effort into. So a lot of the updates, and we're gonna talk through a few feature bits at the end of this, um, this slideshow, but that really is the thing that's the kind of economic shift that's driving the social platform's behavior is how can we get more users to spend money directly on the platforms? Because what we're orientating towards, and this is a bit more macro, but it's definitely one to think about is that we're orientating towards social that's not dominated by ads, where the commercial element of social is actually dominated between or by people monetizing their own content. That's either going to be done through directly retailing products directly on social, or it's going to be creators building communities and monetizing those communities. I'm going to come back to that point. Now, this is, this is one trend that I found absolutely fascinating um, and how this has developed. This is the growth of live streaming. This kind of dark purple line is the amount of hours spent on live streaming versus typical photo and video sharing on um, Facebook and Instagram. 
live streaming is growing massively. And interestingly, this has all been driven by a trend that started in China, of which is now a 90 billion economy, which is all about live streaming e-commerce. Basically, if anyone ever watched in those early morning hours, if you had a bit too much drink, like QVC shopping channels, right? The things that go on at all hours, it's basically this happening again, but on social. It's fascinating how this comes around. So live streaming is, is absolutely booming. And here, here's the data that to show a 50% and 70% increase on people live streaming on Facebook and Instagram. And that's having a really interesting impact on the engagement that's being driven through that particular content. That big line that you see at the top, so this is Facebook organic interaction. So this is your engagement. This is likes, commenting, people taking action on your content. Live video, look at that. Absolutely dominating in terms of the amount of interaction that's being driven off this. And there's reasons for this, right? Because all of these platforms, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, they're always watching what's happening. Typically trends will start east and then go west, right? So they're typically seeing what's happening in China and trying to orientate their platforms to capitalize on this growth. Hence the reason you'll see live streams being promoted more. And interestingly, you, if you look at this in comparison, so you've got link um, average engagement by links. This is across 250,000 Facebook pages that were analyzed, so statistically quite significant data. Like link, image, status posts, and video posts, right? So you can see they're all pretty much the same. And it's interesting, because you'll often hear narrative of like, oh, you must do video. Like, social's all about video now. It's not strictly true because typical in-feed video performs about as well as posting an image to a feed. But actually, the difference really is about live stream video, and that's where the, the key difference is. Same applies to, um, to Instagram as well. So whilst live streaming wasn't included in this, Instagram are only now just really starting to le lean into live streaming. Interestingly, like if you're into Instagram, if that's your place, they just this week announced the ability for you to schedule live streams as well, which makes a huge difference to like um, broadcasting events and actually going live and people registering and creating a bit of a schedule. So, um, and then in terms of this, it's actually worthwhile. It's away from live stream. It's definitely worthwhile thinking about though, is like these are the most popular Instagram post formats based on this data as well. So carousel posts tend to win out because typically, as everyone knows, carousel multi-image posts, we get a couple of bites of cherry in terms of maximizing engagement, right? So lots of swipes through, et cetera. Image and video, you know, video is actually notably down on, on um, Instagram, which is very interesting. So it just shows about like user behavior, typically more scrolling through the feed rather than spending the time to switch on, on the audio and consumer video. So I just wanted to show this because it helps us rethink some of our content choices as well. Right, so let's look at some platform-specific stuff because that's some of the, the broader trends. We'll go into the platform-specific shifts, what we're seeing on particular platforms because everyone will have those that we focus on from our personal lives or business. And then we're going to look at some of the most important features as I see it that have been added to these, these platforms. Start with Facebook. Advertising audience. So this, these are the demographics as reported by Facebook. Um, this, is, this is from July 21, so it's probably three months out of date. We'll, these reports from Global Web Index are really good. They come out every quarter. They're about 300 slides long, so I tend to cut a lot of the noise out of it. But um, yeah, as you, can, as you can see, Facebook predominantly in 25 to 34. But interestingly, I don't think this is often considered Facebook heavily skews male as well, which probably explains some of the negativity in it. But um, ultimately, you know, whilst there's a, a, an older demographic there, definitely a more male-oriented demographic. 
Let's look at some engagement rates. So here, this kind of backs up what we were talking about before, right? Where we're looking at the average engagement rate. And as a, as a kind of side note, I'm sure many of you know, how we judge engagement rate is the amount of interactions uh, against the amount of your total page followers, right? This is the way that these, these guys have calculated it. So link posts do the square root of NAFL, basically. Um, yeah, video and image very closely match, but image does slightly better if you look across this. And then if you look at it, and it's probably worthwhile thinking about this, you might want to look at your own account in a, in a different way. So these are the average engage rate, engagement rates as you top them all up for uh, Facebook pages of certain sizes. So this is less than 10,000 followers where, yeah, we'll de we're definitely in that camp. Um, and then 10,000 plus and 100,000 plus. I'm not sure anyone in this room has more than 100,000 Facebook fans, followers. Hands up. Hey. <laughs> um, cool. So as you can see, make a, make a mental note of that 0.39% number. And when we look at Instagram and the others, you'll, you'll realize why you're not getting that much engagement on, on Facebook. So Insta, I want to show you this because this is, this is the platform overlap because this is some, something that we don't often consider in our content strategies because we think, right, well, I focus on it. Let's give you an example. If you're big on Instagram and you're like, right, I'm going to focus on Instagram. My audience are on there, et cetera. My audience aren't on the other platforms. The bit that I really want to kind of take a bit of a correction on is actually your audience are across all platforms. There is a huge mix between all of the demographics on the platforms. So I don't think we can confidently rule out any platform as not being fit for our business. I know that's not great to hear because it adds a lot of complexity. And I'm still I'm hugely personally a, a massive advocate of focusing on one core platform. Like Joe and I share the same views on LinkedIn, for example, right? That is the main platform. But if we do want to spread our reach and grow awareness, we need to consider multiple platforms. The reason for this is that what these circles represent is the amount of audience. Let's just say, you know, Instagram is your primary channel. 84% of Instagram users are also on Facebook. 54% are also on Twitter and 30% on LinkedIn. So there's a huge overlap across the different platforms. So if we want to give ourselves the best possible opportunity of reaching the majority of our audience, we need to think multi-channel. If we look at Instagram's audience, skews more towards 18 to 24, much more balanced in terms of age demographics, so your main kind of takeaways. No huge surprise there, I don't think. Looking at engagement rates, if you remember, it was 0.39% from, um, from Facebook's perspective. Basically, we're looking at triple the organic engagement we get from, from Instagram. So if, if you're looking at driving likes and comments, Instagram naturally is more generous for that, although reach is diminishing, you know, as we know. LinkedIn is still the most generous for, for getting organic engagement. Organic, what I mean by that is non-paid for. But fundamentally, it's still triple the opportunity of, of driving meaningful engagement on Instagram versus Facebook. Looking at LinkedIn, platform overlap is, is really significant, right? And um, the only point I want to mention on this, because I've already explained what these overlaps uh, are, but typically when I talk to B2B businesses, they're like, you know, our channels are LinkedIn and Twitter, and that's it. And that's, I hear that so much in like B2B businesses. So you're shaking your head, Billy, so you've got some good, good thoughts on this. Um, but, and that's actually, cause you've, cause you've done quite a lot from a, I, see, I see you're interacting. That's a beautiful thing about doing this in person. I can pick on people, but you've done good stuff, right? Cause as you were, sh as you were sharing, right? For your organization, you focused a lot on social over the pandemic, right? Yeah, and I've been consistent on all the channels, um, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, 
bang on. And like Google My Business is such an underutilized channel as well. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's great to hear. Thanks for that. Sorry for being for picking on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so LinkedIn, pretty similar. As you can see, the, the, mage, the main age demographic across all the platforms, really consistent, is be between 25 to 34. You'll see that as being the biggest pie chart across all of them. And, you know, probably no surprises, LinkedIn skewing slightly more male. Um, YouTube is the most balanced across all of them. And interestingly, uh, the one that has the highest proportion of an older demographic as well. So if you're targeting an older demographic, over 30 audience, then typically YouTube is actually the best place for that by volume of people on, those, on that platform, which is really interesting because typically, you know, when I speak to people that are targeting that sort of audience, then Facebook is, is the only choice, but it's, it's not. Facebook and YouTube typically display very similar demographic trends. The counter to that is when we talk about Snapchat, which is probably the clearest in terms of like very, very distinct demographics. We don't talk about Snapchat that much, really. The media don't talk about it that much, hence you don't see it in the press. So for that reason, though, like Snapchat has such a clear demographic, skews much more heavily uh, female and, of course, as you'd expect, much younger. Um, and Snapchat have once again had like an incredible year of growth as well. So over 500 million monthly active users now. And then the big winner across all of it is TikTok. Um, and the, the thing that's driven this, and you, this is a good predicator of future growth. So this is the amount of app downloads every single month. And that purple line here is the next top performing app across all, all of the app store is Instagram. So it's doubling Instagram. So you can see there's been a post-pandemic peak like, and a bit of a correction, but you can see that's, bit, that's consistent. It's double what Instagram is, and that is a real good predicator of, of future growth. This is why Facebook are rolling out so many new features at the moment, because this is a existential threat for them. That is for sure. They're very, very worried, because this metric is the most important one which is the time that people spend on the platform. And this is the most valuable metric for all of these social media platforms because the more people spend, more time people spend on the platform, the more advertising inventory there is to serve to people, right? It's a, it's a very kind of commercially led model. Um, but if you look at this, YouTube was always winning in terms of the amount of time that people spend on the platform. That's now just been overtaken by TikTok. And this is probably slightly disturbing to hear that in, in the US, the average user on TikTok spends 24 hours every month on the platform. 24 hours every month, utterly insane. Um, so despite the fact of how worrying that is, but for us from a marketing lens, that's, that's opportunity, right? So definitely seeing that in a slightly different lens in a personal life and in a work capacity. Uh, and where this growth is coming from, it's not often that you see UK, the top, near the top of a chart, is it? So um, a lot of the growth of TikTok's been driven in Europe and a huge amount in the UK. And yeah, that, that's fascinating. And that's, I've had a bit of a wait and see attitude to, to TikTok um, for the last 18 months or so, um, but the data is becoming incredibly compelling as this is a, as a key platform for future growth. So, they are the kind of big you know, macro shifts and what's happening at a, at a platform level. Some of the four most important features I, I think everyone should know about, and many of these you'll already know about. Twitter audio spaces. 
Twitter's competitor to Clubhouse. Um, Twitter are investing a huge amount on this, and Twitter are betting quite heavily on this being a really successful feature for them. Um, Clubhouse's momentum has, has diminished after a real kind of big peak around April 2020, where everyone was like, oh, you're on Clubhouse, can I have an invite, etc." That's kind of diminished somewhat. Uh, and Twitter audio spaces have rolled out a lot of new features, and I think this is going to be a really interesting way of potentially driving new engagement. But my caveat to that is that I wouldn't necessarily, if you're not on Twitter already, I wouldn't necessarily migrate to Twitter just to take advantage of, of this new platform, new feature. Uh, this is no good question. So this is different to audio tweets, which they also launched about 12 months ago. This is about live audio spaces. So basically, events but without any slides. It's like a webinar but audio only, ultimately. So the dynamic of it is that, like, you know, Joe and I could could fire up a uh, a Twitter space of which everyone who followed both Joe and I would get podcast. notified. Yeah. Sorry, say again. Yeah, yeah, basically, that's a better way to describe it for sure. Uh, but it's run live, and it's, and because of the growth of podcasting has has helped the growth of this. Because the the main challenge with podcasts, you know, you do a podcast, and if someone has any questions on it, they can't really do anything. It's kind of it's the interactive element of podcasting. So that's Twitter Audio Spaces, Insta Reels feels like it's been about for ages, but it hasn't. Um, Instagram are pushing this heavily because this is purely just the clone of TikTok, right? This is absolutely. Instagram are betting the farm on this. They need this to work because they need to steal some of that attention back away from, from TikTok. They're rolling out a whole bunch of features, but most important one, um, or most important two, I think recent ones, is that whilst they first launched with 15 second reels, which you can, I don't know how you can be creative in 15 seconds, I sure as hell can't. But then now you can now go up to 60 seconds. And also if you run multiple Instagram accounts, you can now share the same reel uh, to multiple Insta feeds if you need to, so driving additional reach that way. Um, more and more features coming every single uh, week to that. Um, they've also uh, rolled out reels to Facebook because it wasn't getting enough traction on Instagram initially, so you can now run reels on Facebook as well, which would also cross post to your Instagram account. So basically, Facebook calling on the might of their 2.7 billion monthly active users on Facebook to try and light a fire underneath reels and then frustratingly if any of you look at reels on your instagram app you'll see the TikTok watermark in basically one in every three damn videos so um yeah that's that's a real problem um so but the the way the algorithm works and it's worthwhile you knowing this because insta have started to be a lot more open with talking about how its discovery engine works so there's a couple of things that are fairly obvious. Basically, this is what will determine your reel to go into more people's feeds. Whether, how likely you are to watch a, a reel all the way through. So this is where short video tends to work, and this applies to all of your content. If someone spends more time reading your posts, same works on LinkedIn, right? If people spend lots of time reading one of Joe's posts, um, that means that Joe's post will be shown to more people. It's called dwell time, and it applies to every single social platform. They will see it in that way. Liking it, obviously that's a clear signal of intent, right? All platforms work that way, but the last two are very different for Reels. Basically, um, Instagram are looking at the comments and, and even the emojis of like laughing emojis, etc. It's like, how entertaining is it? Is it funny? Because it's entertainmently led. Uh, and that 
poses probably one of the in that in that single sentence is the biggest challenge for us as business owners, marketers, whomever, because you know how much of the content do, that we put out is entertaining, right? It's serving a, a a value, right? Typically, if you if I looked at our content here at Content Cal, it's all educationally led. Is it funny? No, um, definitely not. Um, that's a huge challenge, right? Because in the same way that um, TikTok and Reels work the same way, it's all about delivering entertainment. And Instagram came out and said this, I think about three weeks ago, was to say, the way we see ourselves is not a photo sharing app, but as a video first entertainment app. So that's a huge shift. That is a huge shift that if we're thinking about Instagram as you know, the place for our business, being mindful of that shift will will be really important to consider in our strategies. Um, TikTok, so when does short form video become long form video? I don't know, but they're, they're starting to kind of cross over this and they're even testing five minute videos now. So they're starting to go after, after YouTube, which I think is a bit of a mistake um, and going too broad will, will damage them. I think it certainly hurt Instagram of copying too many features. So that's an interesting one to watch. So. Um, at the moment, yeah, you can upload three minute videos. That's as long as it goes. Three minute, I find quite useful. It's the only time that I've started to go onto TikTok now um, because three minutes, I basically, I need, as you can tell, because I'm a bit wordy in what I say. So I need three minutes just to articulate a point. So um, that is when, that was been my moment I've got onto TikTok. But very interestingly, I did an experiment. I had zero followers. Is that my time? I thought I heard like a beeper say I've, I've run out of time. Well, I'm going to share this one. So I um, uh, did an experiment. Reels, I have no followers. I've created a new Instagram account with no followers. Had a brand new TikTok account. I don't have any followers anyway. Um, I was like, I'm going to create one video, post it across both, see what happens. Literally zero audience. What happens? Right? So what do you reckon won? Reels or TikTok? There you go. That's a spoiler alert, isn't it? Um, yeah, so yes, it did. Two views on my reel. Get in. Uh, probably was me watching it back to make sure it posted. Um, uh, and then 600. Yeah, yeah he's a good lad. Uh, yeah. And then 613 on TikTok. So it's like 613 with new followers gained. I'm like, well, it was just a pretty nonsense video, but I'm like, Okay, well, that's, that's very interesting. But um, what was very interesting about this is that I posted it, and after 24 hours, because it was the first post, I set up a new account, first post, after 24 hours, literally zero. But then when I checked back in three days later, then I started to see some engagement come in. So it looks like, so don't get, if you end up doing this for yourself, don't get disheartened in the first 24 hours, because I think there's a kind of like checking mechanism that, TikTok have to make sure that people aren't nefarious or like the content is legit, basically. So there's a bit of a review process, which is good, which is really good. Of course you can. Is there any research on length of TikTok? I mean, is, is three minutes brilliant, whereas 10 seconds is rubbish? It's a really good question. I don't have any of that. Um, I think it's still too early on for all of this. Um, I mean, three minutes, a brand new feature. And I, I, would, I would hasten to say that you know, your, your 60 seconds are the ones that are gonna do well. Interestingly, 
because TikTok started with 15 second videos and moved to 30, it's only when they went to 60 seconds was when the growth spiked. So I think that typically is not a way of answering your question, but is it in and around? Uh, newsletters on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So uh, for me, I really like this and I see this, um, we're in the final points now, but I see this as a really good opportunity and I like this. This is, this is basically the counter to all of the kind of stuff we've just been talking about at TikTok. This is probably more in the heartland of familiarity of, of what we know and, and love as marketers, bit of email. So, um, and then this, yeah, it start, this started on Twitter, but LinkedIn have cottoned onto this and Facebook have just launched this tool called Bulletin. And basically what this is, let's just say you have a thousand followers on Twitter. Out of those thousand followers, there'll be a whole bunch of casual folk that never engage, probably never get served your content as a result. And there'll be an inner sanctum of like really true fans, people that truly care about your content or are interested in you, your business, etc. And it's that kind of inner sanctum of followers that is the opportunity for these newsletters. So here we can start driving subscriptions through our uh, existing social media audience. So we could say opt in maybe 100 people out of our 1,000 Twitter followers, and they'll be now on our newsletter subscription, which means when we have really valuable content to serve those folk, when we publish that content, it will go to those people served through email, right? So then, what we've got here is a really interesting dynamic of like different um, kind of different tiers of our social media following where we actually think about our broader following as you know some casual and then we'll have that kind of more inner sanctum those ones that are part of our actual community and that's where I see the opportunity for those newsletters and really where where this is going to go and this is the you know I mentioned this at the start in like there was two ways that social platforms are going to monetize themselves beyond ads. You know, ads will be here for a, for a long while yet, but I'm going to see we're going to see this change. So obviously we mentioned about e-commerce, but the second element of this is going to be in what we call the creator economy. So this is where individuals will grow their audiences and then they'll start charging people for access to exclusive content. And we've seen this um, happen on platforms like Substack and Patreon, where basically people that have built up large audiences are taking their audience off social and then monetizing that audience and people play a subscription to get access to that content. And you're gonna see lots of new features pop up on social channels to help people build and nurture that, that audience. But in the meantime, for businesses like ours, these newsletters are a really good opportunity of, of having that kind of closer connection with those followers, which means that when we serve that content, those that have opted into it will actually see it. So, a few takeaways. Um, I think this will probably reiterate a lot of the stuff that we said. You know, growth is happening across the board. There are, I'm not suggesting that everyone should be everywhere at all because it's, the world of social is nauseating even for people that spend their lives in it, right? Um, so don't feel like you need to be everywhere, but there is opportunity everywhere. TikTok's growth, I definitely compel or implore you to, to start testing it out and just experiment with it, because we've got, we got nothing to lose, especially if we've got zero followers. Um, I, I imagine, who's on TikTok here? Half and half. Um, who has more than 10,000 followers? Who has more than 1,000? Who has more than 500? Five, done, he wins. <laughs> cool, yeah. good. All right, so I think we've got, yeah, we've, got, we've all got some ways to go. 
Um, what we spoke about uh, live streaming, um, yeah. New features always hold the potential of additional reach, like Twitter audio spaces, Reels, for example. I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to get on every new trend, but where it seems appropriate, those new features will always yield reach. Like That's why it's important to know that how much uh, Facebook and Instagram care about Reels, for example, because they'll give it an unfair weighting in their feed. Already spoken about the how the future of social will be driven. Um, the creator economy is something that I'll talk for hours on and I'll spare you the boredom of it now, something that fascinates me. Um, and then I guess my, my main kind of call to action on this one is like challenge yourself when you're thinking about like building your social strategy for your, your organization or your brands that you work for, whatever. Just try and let go of those beliefs that you might hold there to say, oh, TikTok's for kids or like Facebook's for, for you know, over 30s. It's so balanced, it's more nuanced than that. And so we owe it to ourselves just to, to be a little more curious about what's happening in the world of social so that we can make the best possible decisions for our business. Um, I run content planning sessions all the time. Um, so if you want to book into that, you can't click a link because we're not online. So fat lot of good that is. Um, but uh, yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, but otherwise, thank you very much for your time. <laughs>